Special thanks to Jerry Beck for letting us interview him. Also, stick around next time for the second part of this episode. In the 1940s, a series of Superman animated shorts were released to theaters. These cartoons are now widely regarded as some of the finest, and certainly the most lavishly budgeted, animated cartoons created. My name is Hannah, and this is Beyond the Destination. They were all produced in Miami, Florida. That's Jerry Beck. Hi, my name is Jerry Beck, and uh, I'm an animation historian. What does that mean? I've written 15 books on the history of animation, ranging from the subjects of Looney Tunes to Hanna-Barbera, SpongeBob, Pink Panther, and on and on and on. I, I can't even remember all my books. I also teach animation history at CalArts and Woodbury University in Burbank. I uh, officiate over two blogs, one called Cartoon Research, Com. The other one is called animationscoop.com. Oh, I put on screenings in various cities and theaters, festivals, uh, curate video uh, cartoons for video and DVD and Blu-ray, and uh, many, many, many other things like that. I'm also the president of ASIFA Hollywood, A-S-I-F-A, ASIFA Hollywood. That's an international animation organization. We do the Annie Awards. Every year we give out rewards for best picture and best animator, best storyboard artist, that kind of thing. We also, as part of ASIFA, we do film preservation and uh, we give scholarships and, um, you know, so my whole life is immersed in animation and the history of animation. So, when did you first hear about the series? Well, I grew up in New York, and believe it or not, they ran them on television back in the 1960s. I watched them in black and white on an old TV. Uh, they were pretty amazing. I mean, of course, I was also watching the live-action Superman series with George Reeves at that time. But the uh, the cartoons would come on occasionally. Of course, there's only 17 of them. And uh, you could tell, even though they were in black and white and fuzzy reception on my, you know, cathode ray tube <laughs> TV set uh, with an antenna, you know, and everything, they were very dark. It was hard to even see them in black and white on TV. It was kind of weird. They really need to be seen in color on a big TV screen or in a movie theater if you're lucky. But I, uh, I do remember them. They were part of my childhood. Uh, they, they were pretty amazing. Many Hollywood studios were interested in the idea of putting Superman in the movies. Republic Pictures initially won those rights, but when they did a test, uh, started doing a script, spec script on the character, it was so far removed from what the mythos that DC Comics and Siegel and & Schuster had been creating that uh, national periodical publications the publisher, rights holder, they uh, basically took the rights back from Republic because they wanted to control how the character was perceived and sold to the public. They had that kind of control over the comic strips and the radio show, and they wanted it in the movies as well. And uh, Republic was not going to do it right. So uh, Paramount got the rights and handed it to the Fleischer studio. The Fleischer studio actually initially didn't want to do it. They were making cartoons at a certain budget. They basically told Paramount the only way Way we can do something like this. Keep in mind, nobody had ever seen a serious cartoon before. You know, a dramatic cartoon that hadn't been done. Cartoons were basically fairy tales or comedies. So the Fleischers said the only way to do a science fiction cartoon, we'd have to do it three times the budget of a Popeye cartoon. And Paramount said, we'll give you three times the budget. Go do it. When the Fleischers left the series in 1942, 
Paramount's animators finished the contract with eight more films that shift the focus from imaginative science fiction to conflicts with our wartime enemies, ancient mummies and petty thugs. For the retrofuturism style of the series, the Fleischers took inspiration from pulp magazines, which were very popular at the time. They used that as their template for how to uh, visualize the series. Only in the very first cartoon did they use the Siegel and Schuster designs for Superman. In the second cartoon and onward, they modified that into uh, designs that were easier to animate. The first cartoon in the series, simply titled Superman, isn't without some faults. The two little things, because I've seen it so many times that I could nitpick, is I don't like that when he's saving the Daily Planet building, it's not a solid building, it's kind of like jello. So it, it kind of bends in a weird way. That's a little corny, and they would never do anything like that again in, in the rest of the series. Another thing in this first cartoon that they would never do again is to have a funny animal sidekick for the villain. The, the, he has this like little uh, eagle or a vulture, I'm not sure what he is. He's not really much of a comedy relief figure, but uh, takes away a little bit from the, from the dramatic and serious of the rest of the cartoon. And then they never did anything like that. They learned their lesson from the first one. Special thanks to Jerry Beck for letting us interview him. Also, stick around next time for the second part of this episode. The music heard throughout the episode is The Process by Lakey Inspired. The song that is playing now is Workers, Winter Mood, by Chill Children. Go check them out.